plan aims to have upwards of 80 police officers in place throughout the city's transit locations every day. A boost in boots on the ground to combat assaults on our transit as a new rash of incidents are reported. Good evening. The list of evidence is growing and it's leading to a troubling conclusion. Toronto has a violence problem on its transit system and it's worsening. We have comprehensive coverage on this situation tonight, including what the city says it plans to do. But we begin with John Musselman, who has details of another incident today, the latest in a long string. John, what can you tell us? Well, pretty disturbing incident. A woman just sitting on a subway train when she had uh, two BB guns pointed at her. Police say it was unprovoked. A woman on a southbound subway at York University Station had two BB guns pointed at her while she was sitting on the train. The suspects fired in her direction. She was not hit. Students on campus say police arrived quickly. Um, well, we were just studying and then we saw the um, police cars, like we heard the sirens. Um, and we were like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? And then it was like five-ish police cars or four or five that we counted. And we're like, oh no, like I think something's happening again. Officers arrived on scene and have apprehended four parties uh, that were in possession of uh, two firearms or two BP style firearms. They have been taken to 31 Division for the investigation. Police say they have recovered both BB guns and four teens have been arrested. A 16-year-old boy, two 15-year-old boys and a 15-year-old girl. Riders say it is unsettling. There's no part of the city that is not being affected, whether it be Scarborough, North York, downtown uh, or Etobicoke with these incidents. I feel like it's escalated a bit because now it's like in the middle of the day, like we were studying, and then all of a sudden like police cars in the middle of the day. I mean, I think increasing security would definitely help. Um, but again, like what are we paying fare for if not to be safe on the GTC? This comes after video was released of a violent purse snatching that sent a victim flying down the stairs at Broadview Station. It makes me worried that um, it's becoming a more common thing. Today, Toronto police say a 44-year-old man has been arrested for robbery and failing to comply with probation. The robbery is just one of many recent incidents of violence to occur on TTC property, including a 23-year-old woman who was stabbed on a streetcar by someone she doesn't even know. She suffered life-altering injuries. And four 13-year-old boys have been charged after an alleged swarming attack on two TTC employees on Monday. A new video has surfaced, however, that appears to show a TTC employee shoving one of the teens before the swarming attack took place. The video does not show what transpired on the bus. Yesterday, a 16-year-old boy was slashed on a bus in Etobicoke, and last Saturday, a TTC operator was shot multiple times by a BB gun. She believes she was being targeted because she's a TTC employee. And back here at York University, no one was injured and police are still trying to determine why this woman was targeted by the teens. Reporting live, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back to you. All right. Thank you, John. Let's turn to our Scott Lightfoot now, who's tracking what the city says it plans to do about this problem. Scott, what are officials saying? Well, Nathan, the police chief said today that police have increased their visible presence on TTC properties over the past few weeks, but they recognize that more needs to be done. So effective immediately, they're going to be putting dozens of more uniformed officers on buses, streetcars and subways across Toronto. Uniformed police officers riding subway trains, buses and streetcars, something TTC riders may notice more of in the coming days and weeks. Effective today. The Toronto Police Service will be increasing our daily presence within their transit system. 
To start, 80 off-duty officers on overtime will be placed across the transit system across the city. Officials say the project will be scaled up or down as necessary. In this particular set of circumstances, we're working with our transit commission partners to understand where we can be most effective and where we can make the greatest difference. And that includes not just geographically, but time of day, place, etc. That difference meant to be both enforcement and deterrent with a goal of keeping riders safe and making them feel safe. Our presence brings a sense of comfort and safety to ridership. I know that. I've experienced it myself, riding the subway in uniform. And it's not just for riders. Some TTC employees, also the targets of violence, have made it clear they don't feel safe on the job. It's a legitimate concern on their part. You know, I've talked to them. I've been there with them. Uh, these are concerns that, that uh, resonate in me as well. All these events happening are called random, but it's not a matter of if, it's when there's an act of violence happening in transit right now. The head of the union representing transit workers in Toronto calls today's announcement a start. But I think we're taking care of the symptom as opposed to the root causes. The roots, some of the issues that are happening right now in transit include the underhoused, mental illness in the system. Toronto's mayor, who again today defended his nearly $50 million budget increase for police, says the city is also making major investments in the root causes that have led to some of the current issues. The idea is to do the right thing, have the right resources in place to make sure that we can keep people safe and have them feel safe and address their security concerns, whether it's on the streets or are in the transit system, and that's exactly what we'll do. There are a number of unanswered questions here, including if this will actually work. Remember, there are hundreds of thousands of TTC riders every day, hundreds of routes, dozens of stations, and only 80 officers being put out there to start. Now, the police chief says this will not affect frontline policing. These 80 officers will all be off-duty and working overtime. One of those questions that can't be answered, how much will it cost? He doesn't know because he says the number may fluctuate depending on how well the project works, and there's no end date given. The police, the TTC, and the mayor all saying they know this is not the final solution to fixing this problem and they plan to continue to keep meeting, including another meeting set for tomorrow. Pointing live outside police headquarters, I'm Scott Lightfoot. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Scott. A live look at the city tonight. You better bundle up if you plan to be out. Temperatures are going down and it may feel much colder with the wind. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. And Lindsay, it must be said that sunshine was gorgeous today. Yes, we were lucky enough to get a couple of hours of it today in parts of the GTA. Hopefully you enjoyed it too. It made the snow sparkle beneath that sky. Gone is the system that brought us the snow. In its place, we have a lake effect fan making its way off of Lake Huron at this hour. King Carden down toward London and Stratford dealing with some light snow. We might get a dusting of snow overnight tonight as a result of that. Temperature wise, yeah, we're a little bit cool. We're below freezing just about everywhere around the Golden Horseshoe and feeling colder than that. It's going to feel like minus 20 overnight tonight in places like Aurelia, Perry Sound and Bancroft. There's our evening forecast here in the city of Toronto. We have at least two more opportunities after tonight to get some measurable snow before the weekend is finished. We'll show you when coming up in your forecast. Nathan, over to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. The wild weather may have come and gone, but there's still a lot of cleanup to do tonight, especially for drivers. CTV's Janice Golding joins us now with those details. Janice. Hi, Nathan. While some regions west of Toronto got more than 25 centimeters of snow, we got less than predicted. However, Transportation Services says the cleanup is ongoing. And we can tell you from this collision reporting center here today, we've been hearing the roads are still very slippery. This morning, Torontonians were digging themselves out after yesterday's winter storm. The first thing in the morning... You'd hope you just have a warm cup of coffee at this point. It's okay. It's a little heavy underneath, uh, but I did a lot of it yesterday. 
The city's director of operations and maintenance was predicting upwards of 20 centimeters, but the snowfall wasn't as heavy as they feared. Some parts of the city got approximately 10, some got approximately 15. So over the next few days, we're going to continue with some salting and spot plowing. Still, the snow was thick enough to impact many commuters. Last night was pretty bad. That's yeah. why I'm carrying her, because we had to leave the car at work. Schools were open, but busing was cancelled for most public and Catholic school boards in the GTA, with some roads continuing to be treacherous. I, I kind of got sideswiped, and then we went into sort of like a partition. The Scarborough Collision Reporting Centre was bumper to bumper today. The manager telling us they'd already seen 130 people by 3.30 p.m., more than double the norm. Very scary, yeah. My mom was in the car as well. That was the most terrifying part for me. It was like, oh boy, like, it's both of us. It was so slippery, and my car just was, like, taken to the right, to the left, hit all around, one wheel, it's gone. The OPP says it dealt with more than 350 crashes on our highways in 24 hours. We've been busy all over the highway. We work the highway, so the highway, the local streets, it's been uh, very rough. Most of the accidents, fender benders, which Sergeant Kerry Schmidt calls highly preventable. Winter driving conditions like this, even when the roads have been plowed, to give yourself space and give yourself the opportunity to adjust your driving in case something happens quickly in front of you. Police asking drivers to slow down and play it safe. Because about the only place you really want to slip and slide is on your local toboggan hill. And as you may be able to see behind us, we've seen a steady stream of people coming into the Collision Reporting Center here in Scarborough. And we're told that its counterpart in North York is just as busy. Both centers are open until 10 o'clock tonight. Reporting live, I'm Jack, Janice Golding. Now back to Michelle and Nathan. All right, thank you, Janice. Coming up, gas versus electric. Both types of snowblowers can help you plow through the winter weather. But which one is right for you? We compare. Yesterday's storm canceled and delayed hundreds of flights out of Pearson Airport, and airlines are still dealing with some lingering impacts. It's been delayed every hour, and so see what happens, I guess. How you been dealing with it? Oh, people's got a lot, of, got a lot worse, I guess. Pearson's website shows a number of delayed flights throughout the day and into the evening, but only a couple of cancellations. Airport officials say travelers should check their flight status with their airlines. It was Via Rail's turn today to explain why it failed so many of its customers during that holiday travel mess over Christmas. There were widespread Via delays during a winter storm that pounded Ontario and Quebec. In one case, passengers were stranded on a train for about 18 hours after it was hit by a fallen tree. The Crown Corporation says many of the cancellations were caused by a CN Rail freight train that derailed east of Toronto. VIA apologized earlier this month for the travel chaos, but today in Ottawa, MPs on the Transport Committee wanted to know what caused all this. There was one of them, but obviously the power outages caused significant uh, challenges on the infrastructure. Uh, the, the initial key lessons, and, and one that we regret, is, is our lack of communications. I think in, in times where we have significant delays, uh, I think our passengers expect us to keep them informed. Opposition MPs want passenger protection regulations for air travel to be extended to include rail. Executives from Canadian Airlines were questioned by a couple of weeks ago by the committee about the hundreds of flight cancellations and delays over the holidays. 
Liberal MP Kirsty Duncan has announced she is taking an immediate medical leave. The representative for Etobicoke North says it's due to a physical health challenge. Duncan will remain the member of parliament for her riding and says she looks forward to returning to work. The former cabinet minister and deputy house leader has served there since 2008, winning five consecutive elections in the riding. For the first time, Canada will have a special representative to combat Islamophobia. Today's announcement is yet another step in helping government understand the challenges that communities are facing and to offer advice on what additional policies our government can do to combat the rise of Islamophobia. The Prime Minister has appointed Amira El-Gawabi to act as an advisor and expert. The journalist and human rights advocate says the position was created to address the painful and even deadly reality of Islamophobia and other forms of racism in this country. Canada has joined a growing number of countries responding to Kyiv's plea for tanks. At least four Leopard 2 tanks will be sent to Ukraine, along with trainers, ammunition and spare parts. CTV's Annie Bergeron-Oliver reports. Described as a beast on the battlefield, Leopard 2 tanks are the main battle tank of the Canadian Armed Forces. And over the coming weeks, four of these heavy-armoured, high-powered machines will be delivered to Ukraine. Tanks are not easy to maintain, but their sustainment will be essential to Ukraine's overall success and victory. President Vladimir Zelensky has said his country needs 300 tanks to defeat Russia ahead of a possible spring offensive. And now that Germany has allowed allies to re-export the German-made Leopard 2 tanks, more than 60 of different varieties have been committed. They have uh, a much larger gun on them than a lot of other, other cases, so they can, they can pack a bigger punch. Um, the tank treads that they have also allow them to go places that wheeled vehicles can't. But Canada is only sending four, despite having 82 in its inventory, raising concerns about its state of readiness. Anything that Canada can send can help the Ukrainians uh, fight the Russians. So this is good, and we should keep looking in the inventory. What else can we give them? Hours after Kyiv secured a commitment from Western allies, Russia, who considers the move an escalation, launched a wave of missile attacks that killed at least 11 people. Russia will use any excuse uh, to, uh, to launch further attacks, and, and they will grab onto uh, any shred of uh, credibility that they can find. Uh, but uh, I don't put, put much credence in, uh, in that. Uh, if they want to de-escalate, they can leave Ukraine. In addition to the tanks, Canada will also be sending spare parts, ammunition and troops to help train Ukrainian forces how to use and repair those tanks. Where that training will take place remains unclear. Annie Bergeron-Oliver, CTV News, Ottawa. The fight for justice and equality. A Toronto man with autism wins his claim of discrimination against the Granite Club. That story just ahead. New information tonight for travelers who want a Nexus card. This spring, U.S. border agents will be allowed to interview applicants at select Canadian airports before boarding a U.S.-bound flight, but only after applicants take part in a separate appointment-only interview with Canadian agents at a Nexus airport enrollment center. Toronto, Vancouver and Montreal are among the list of eight eligible airports. The measure is part of planned tweaks to the system by Canadian and U.S. officials. In California, investigators have not found a link between the victims of Saturday's dance hall shooting and the gunmen. A vigil was held last night for the 11 people killed in Monterey Park. Police are still trying to determine a motive, but they have determined the assailant did not frequent the dance studio in the last five years. 
Hu Cantran also drove to a second dance hall in Alhambra, but was disarmed by the club's operator. He fatally shot himself the next day. On Monday, a gunman killed seven people at two mushroom farms in the community of Half Moon Bay. Remembering those lost in the pursuit of knowledge. Hey. Our day of remembrance is a solemn and sacred time in our agency. So here we have all 25 astronauts recognized on our wall. The astronauts who gave their lives in the advance of space exploration. A bell rang as 25 names were read out during a ceremony at Cape Canaveral. There was also an observance at Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia on the annual day of remembrance. The need for speed cameras. A Toronto MPP is pushing for more traffic cams around the city amid a surge in deadly crashes. The goal is to expand the photo radar program in more locations and for drivers to slow down. CTV's Beth McDonnell joins us now with Reaction. Beth. Michelle, I'm on Avenue Road tonight, a street that cuts through a big part of the city and does not have a speed enforcement camera. It's also one of several streets drivers are being blamed for speeding. It's a slope bringing on speed, not safety. Endangering pedestrians and cyclists argue concerned residents. That in the last decade, along Avenue Road, there's been 15 crashes causing serious injury or death. People like Adam Excel. In 2015, the 26-year-old was killed in a hit and run. His dad said at the time he had chosen to bike ride for just the week. Our lives hang in the balance, and we know that on Avenue Road, that's a losing battle. So Avenue Road looks like a highway, smells like a highway, people treat it as a highway. To get drivers to slow down, the area's MPP and some community groups are calling for more speed enforcement cameras here and around the city. And the city budget process has only allocated funding for 75 cameras, even though John Tory promised during his election campaign that he would bring in 150 cameras. Right now, the city says there are 50 working cameras, but in February, there will be 25 new ones added, one for each ward, including one coming soon to Avenue Road, just a few blocks north of Eglinton, as drivers pass a high school. But the advocates also want more cameras further south, where sidewalks are narrow and density is high. You know, they get sent the tickets. And it's revenue positive. It generates a lot more revenue than uh, cameras ever cost. So we just think it's a real no-brainer. The city says the cameras are not revenue-generating tools and are designed to enhance safety. Still, between July 2020 and October 2022, 560,000 charges were laid with $34 million in fines collected. Each camera costs $50,000 to run a year. There are questions around having more surveillance and how well cameras change behavior. For months last year, one on Parkside Drive east of High Park issued the most tickets in the city. Feelings are mixed what they'll do elsewhere. I'm generally not a fan of speed enforcement cameras, but for sure something has to be done. The traffic is so backed up. In many cases, speeding, I think, is really not the often the issue. If safety cameras, cameras were prominent, then I think that would help. Certainly, it would slow things down. Mayor John Tory's office tells CTV News he is keeping his campaign promise. 150 cameras will have eyes on drivers during his term, which runs until 2026. The city says comparing the average number of deaths and serious injuries from 2015 to 2019 and then 2022, that there has been a 34% decline. 
Reporting live, I'm Beth McDonnell. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Beth. Several months after a deadly crash in Scarborough, Toronto police have laid charges against the driver and the surviving passenger. Early on the morning of November 23rd, police say a black Jaguar went into a ditch near Steeles and Sewell's Road. The vehicle rolled several times, and a 19-year-old passenger was ejected and killed. The driver and another passenger had minor injuries. After the investigation, police this week charged 20-year-old Roshivan Kasavin of Toronto with impaired operation causing death. 19-year-old Kajivan Nithyanathan of Pickering was charged with obstruct justice. Hill police say they helped dismantle infrastructure used by a notorious ransomware group. The Hive organization is accused of targeting at least 71 Canadian businesses since late 2021. Hive's domain was seized as part of a probe which involved law enforcement from 12 countries. Experts say groups like Hive allow affiliates to use their malware to take computer networks hostage and then split the ransom. Now to a CTV News investigation. The family of a prominent Toronto artist with autism is speaking out exclusively to CTV News after a private athletics club demanded he be under constant supervision. As CTV's John Woodward reports, the family believed the issue was a case of discrimination. And Ontario's Human Rights Tribunal agreed. Neam Jain is a 20-year-old artist with autism whose paintings have been sold all over the world. He's nonverbal, so his mom, Nina, says he speaks through his art. And he's able to um, use the colors to show his emotions. In early 2020, his paintings took on a darker tone. And he was also um, experiencing uh, tremendous amounts of anxiety, um, pacing back and forth. The cause, an incident in the locker room at Toronto's Granite Club, a private athletic facility near Toronto's Bridal Path neighbourhood. Another club member found Jane going through his bag, naked, while making a strange sound. There was a loud confrontation where the member accused Jane of sexualized behaviour, saying in an email to management, members pay way too much money to have this kind of thing happen in a locker room. He threatened to go to the police. The club demanded Jane have a caregiver at all times to avoid perceived risk and because they cannot control members' perceptions and tolerance. Jane's family said that took away his freedom and complained to Ontario's Human Rights Tribunal. It was undermining all of his achievements, his hard work, um, his efforts to be independent. The adjudicator found that what Jane was doing was harmless anxiety-soothing behaviors called stims, like playing with your hair or tapping your foot, and that forcing him to have a caregiver over that was more about the club's needs than Jane's. The adjudicator wrote that caregiver requirement is not an accommodation sought or requested by the applicant, but one that was imposed by the respondent based on its own need to appease an angry member. She ordered the club put in accommodations including signage and a bench and pay $35,000, the maximum in damages. Really um, was a rush to judgment or was based in discriminatory conclusions about what his disability-related symptoms were. I think it should be a clear lesson uh, to other organizations to listen carefully, uh, to investigate fully and properly. Observers hoping this decision means other public venues will better accommodate people with autism. That's not a reason to exclude people because they may be behaving in a way that seems awkward socially. Uh, and that's a powerful message. The Granite Club has promised to live up to the order. As for the Janes, the colour has returned to his paintings. How are you feeling? Happy. And the Jane family is returning to the club. John Woodward, CTV News.
And if you have a story for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. Coming up, the realities of Bill 23 as the province moves to build more homes faster. Residents raise concerns about their costs going up as Ontario looks to beef up the housing supply. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, if you're tired of shoveling out your driveway, have you considered getting a snowblower? There are now electric models that don't require a cord, but how well do they work? How much do they cost? And how long will those batteries last? All of my reports just ahead. The day after the storm means we have snowfall totals and some areas north and east of the city did manage to pick up about 20 centimeters of snow. It was 14 at Pearson International, a little less downtown Toronto. Now we have more opportunity for accumulating snow over the next couple of days. The first opportunity comes tonight. The next is Friday night thanks to this clipper and then there's another system waiting in the wings for Sunday. We'll give you an idea of how much snow is in store this time coming up in your forecast and stay with us we've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. If you spent the morning shoveling your driveway and maybe you have a sore back, would you consider investing in a snowblower? Gas-powered snowblowers have dominated the marketplace, but now there are more electric models that don't need to be plugged in. Here's Pat Foran and Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Michelle and Nathan. The most powerful snowblowers still run on gasoline, but electric models that use batteries have improved greatly. They're better for the planet, start with the push of a button, and some have advantages that gas models don't have. If you've had enough of shoveling snow but don't want to deal with a gas-powered snowblower, you've had the option to buy an electric model, but the first electric snowblowers came with a cord and could only handle so much snow. Now there are battery-powered models that pack close to the punch of a gasoline unit. This is an electric Ryobi 24-inch snowblower. It's a push-button start that is self-propelled and no oil or gas is required. With any gas products, you know, just similar to your car, you need to change out spark plugs and do oil maintenance. With this uh, battery technology, there is zero maintenance except for um, keeping your batteries charged. Consumer Reports has been testing battery-powered snowblowers for the past six years and says they have improved greatly and are nipping at the heels of comparable gas-sized models. Electric snowblowers are usually lighter and quieter than gas units and may come with added features. We also have heated grips here so that, you know, it keeps your um, hands warm if your gloves get wet. The main concern with anything that runs on battery power is how long will this electric snowblower last? The company says it comes with four batteries. They last for about 40 minutes, which is enough to do the average size driveway. You really shouldn't have an issue. Plus, we also have two extra battery slots in there that you can swap out your batteries if you do run out. As battery technology improves, it's likely more home improvement tools will make the switch from gas power. Definitely snowblowers, lawnmowers, um, all of your bigger equipment that you need for home maintenance will all be battery powered. This electric snowblower sells for $2,200. If you need replacement batteries, they aren't cheap. At a cost of $264 each, they come with a three-year warranty. Battery power may not be for everyone, but it's another option to help you clear the snow. And expect to see more battery-powered snowblowers come to market. Many people with snowblowers often get asked to do their neighbor's driveway. But if you had an electric snowblower, you could say, sorry, the batteries ran out. On your side, 
I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Mm -hmm. Now we know Pat's technique. Uh, Parks Canada says it's seeing a threefold increase in people abandoning their unwanted pet pets in Rouge National Urban Park. This comes as a volunteer group says it's helped at least four dogs left in and around the park over the last year and a number of other species as well. Officials tweeted releasing pets into nature seldom has a happy ending. Domestic animals struggle in the harsh natural environment and can spread diseases to native species. Please don't abandon animals in Rouge Park. Instead, a spokesperson for the Humane Society encourages pet owners to reach out if they need help help rehoming a pet. The Ford government is on a mission to build more homes and build them fast amid a housing crisis. Yeah, the bill that aims to make that happen has raised concern that by trying to solve one problem, it sparked many others. Andrew Brennan explains. 81 plus. Mohamed Ayubali has called Ajax home for 50 years. He's watched the homes pop up on what used to be farmland and his property tax bill multiply as well. Very high. Could you afford them to go any higher? No, not at all. Since it was first announced, Bill 23 has proven controversial for several reasons. A big one for local governments is the freezing of government fees on many new homes being built. Durham Regional Council says that will cost them $281 million in lost revenue. The regional chair says existing property taxpayers will now be asked to fund future infrastructure to support new homes in our community. Or as an alternative, the region may have to reduce service levels. Government is trying their part to, you know, accommodate more people, more homes. But um, unfortunately, taxes, when it goes up, you know, we have issues. Because they're building more houses, I thought that, you know, um, more residential means more taxpayers. So the property tax should go down. But no, apparently not. Another concern is developing in the Greenbelt, like this farmland here in Ajax. Environmental and housing advocates say more sprawl is not the answer. It's not sustainable. And to now start opening Greenbelt and, um, and even parts of our White Belt, it's not required. We, we can, we can um, live within our existing urban boundaries. But the province maintains this is the right move. Ontario is in a housing supply crisis, and Ontarians expect us to act. You just can't keep saying, not in my backyard. My neighbour doesn't want it. We don't want it. Where are we going to put these people? But for detractors, it's a question of where, how, and at what cost. Andrew Brennan, CTV News. A new survey suggests Canadians are against using the notwithstanding clause. The Angus Reid poll shows nearly 6 in 10 are concerned about its use, and 55% would like to see it abolished. Ontario Premier Doug Ford has invoked the clause twice. Quebec's Premier has used it seven times since 2015. The Prime Minister says he plans to regulate the use of the clause and might look to the Supreme Court to rule on the issue. The clause allows Premiers to pass laws to override the Charter of Rights and Freedoms for five years. 
to your weather forecast now and a big change from this time last night the mm -hmm. snow was coming down we actually saw sun today yes. and the roads seemed cleared rather quickly you know we were able to move around yeah you got to give the city credit for clearing those roads really fast and it was nice to see some sun today as well it sure was and you know what i think uh, maybe we're going to be busy again in the coming days with a shovel or perhaps the plows will be out once more because we have several opportunities for to maybe pick up a dusting to several centimeters of snow it's a very active short range forecast of weather pattern and then in the long range we see signs of some very cold air as we finish off the month of January and say hello to February. Let's take you through that forecast. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Right now on satellite and radar, we see some lake effect snow to our west. This could give us an additional dusting through the night tonight. Gone is the Texas low that brought us the snow yesterday. We're also keeping an eye on this. This is a clipper system. It's coming from the province of Alberta. It's going to sweep across the lower Great Lakes as we make our way into tomorrow night. Generally speaking, clippers are notorious for being fast movers. They usually bring anywhere from a trace to five centimeters of snow. This time around, we're expecting maybe two centimeters along with some gusty winds and then it'll be out of here just in time to make way for the next system. So there's a little snapshot of what we could be dealing with by Saturday morning. Maybe a fresh two centimeters of snow on the ground in Toronto might be slightly more in places like Coburg and then further north toward Huntsville and Bancroft. The next system after that is going to arrive Saturday night and follow us into Sunday. So here's overnight tonight. Again, there's our dusting, maybe just a few flurries at most as well. Into tomorrow, I'm hopeful that we're going to see some breaks in the cloud once again. So nice to see that sunshine today. And then as we make our way into Friday night, there's that next disturbance. So maybe two centimeters courtesy of this. It should be gone for most as we make our way into the daytime hours on Saturday. So a pretty dry day. I'm watching this one line, this streamer making its way off of Lake Huron across Georgian Bay. So heads up around Owen Sound, Midland, Penetanguishene, and then into eastern sections of Ontario. For us though, system snow is going to arrive late day Saturday. Follow us into the morning on Sunday. And right now the models are disagreeing a little bit, but it looks as though anywhere from five to maybe even 10 centimeters of snow could accumulate with that one. We'll keep an eye on things. Tonight's low is minus nine degrees. You factor in the winds and it's going to feel into the minus double digits, feeling into the minus 20s for areas of central Ontario. Waking up tomorrow morning, it's going to be chilly. So bundle up and uh, just prepare yourself for the fact that there could be a few flurries out there. But again, crossing our fingers for a little bit of sun too. Our temperature is going to hold steady tomorrow afternoon at around the freezing mark, but some significantly colder air is headed our way. Let me show you what's in store with the seven day forecast. So again, Sunday periods of snow, not going to be an all day event, but just a heads up, especially in the morning. Then through the early part of next week, look at those cold temperatures as we say goodbye to the month of January. Hello to February. How about that? Groundhog Day is one week from today. That's your weather. Nathan, over to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. Also tonight, good news from Ontario's top doctor on that wave of respiratory illnesses that swamped hospitals. An update from Dr. Moore on where things stand now and where things could be going. On air, online, on every platform. Escape tragedy by mere moments. CTV News Toronto. A story you'll only see here. Winner of the Canadian Screen Award for Best Local Newscast. We have developing details. Watch weeknights at 6. Ontario's top doctor is finally breaking his silence on the state of respiratory viruses that swept provincial children's hospitals. And it seems things may be looking up. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris has more on what he's saying. 
after a triple whammy of respiratory illnesses that challenged Ontario and its hospitals, the province's top doctor feels the worst is behind us. The flu season peaked earlier than usual in late November, early December. We reached a peak of around 560 at that time on any given day. We're down to 80 individuals now in hospital. Cases of RSV that sickened thousands of kids have also been steadily declining. Dr. Kieran Moore says COVID is stable, but he's watching what happens with the more transmissible Kraken subvariant. Which may cause a rise in admissions to hospital. I don't want anyone in Canada or Ontario to think that we're going to stop our efforts to try to limit the spread of this virus. With vaccines, staying home if you're sick, and wearing a mask in crowded indoor places. The Council of Canadian Academies estimates COVID misinformation has contributed to the deaths of some 2,800 Canadians and $300 million worth of hospital visits. We still have gaps uh, in, uh, in providing uh, reliable information to Ontarians to make sure that they make informed decisions. Uh, and I'm not happy at present with our current coverage rates and our level of protection. With boosters for older Ontarians more vulnerable to severe outcomes from COVID. Dr. Moore says 3 million people have rolled up their sleeves for a bivalent booster, but just 55% of Ontarians aged 70 and older, only 40% of those between 60 and 69. While the drive to get more shots into arms rolls on, Friday, the World Health Organization decides if COVID-19 still constitutes a public health emergency of international concern. I hope they still communicate that COVID will still continue to be around and will continue to disproportionately impact more vulnerable individuals or vulnerable populations. And will still challenge our health care sector. Siobhan Morris, CTV News. After his death this month at the age of 72, preparations are underway at Queen's Park to honor the life and service of David Onley. Onley was the first person with a physical disability to serve as Ontario's Lieutenant Governor. He's also being remembered for his groundbreaking career as a broadcast journalist and his advocacy for people with disabilities. The province says Onley will lie in state at the Ontario Legislature this weekend, Saturday from noon to 5 and Sunday from 10 to 5 and members of the public will be able to pay their respects. A state funeral will take place at Yorkminster Park Baptist Church Monday at 11 a.m. Succession fans are getting a sneak peek at the next season of the award-winning corporate drama. This is not about getting back at Dad, but if it hurts him, it doesn't bother me. The show follows a family's fight over control of a media conglomerate. A new teaser sets the stage for more intrigue as the Roy kids plot against their father, Logan. HBO announced today that season four will debut March 26. After the Oscar nominations were revealed this week, Lady Gaga celebrating her nod for Best Original Song. Gaga and collaborator Blood Pop received the nomination for Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick. The singer already won the award back in 2018 with Shallow from A Star Is Born. The singer thanked the Academy for the nomination, saying in part, writing this song for the film Top Gun Maverick was a deep and powerful experience that I will never forget. So grateful for the magic of music and cinema. Nielsen is out with its ranking of the most streamed original shows of 2022, and Netflix series dominated the list. I know you're frightened. 
Looking at data only out of the U.S., Deadline reports Stranger Things Seasons 4 was at the top among streaming originals with 52 billion minutes viewed. Fellow Netflix series Ozark was in second place with 31 billion minutes streamed last year. And Wednesday grabbed third place with well over 18 billion minutes. By Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Our presence brings a sense of comfort and safety to ridership. Updating our top stories, Toronto Police will deploy 80 officers throughout the city's transit system. The mayor and chief of police made the announcement today. It follows a rash of violent incidents on buses, streetcars, subway stations and trains. What are we paying fare for if not to be safe on the GTC? In the most recent example, four teens were arrested after BB gun shots were fired at a woman sitting on a train at York University Station. Police say she was not hit, but call the incident unprovoked. The city budget process has only allocated funding for 75 cameras. And a Toronto MPP is calling for more speed enforcement cameras following a surge in deadly crashes. Jessica Bell says there aren't enough to cover all the high-risk areas in the city. The mayor says he plans to have 150 cameras on the streets by the end of his term in 2026. In business, finding a place to rent these days may seem like looking for a needle in a haystack. To explain why, here's Jacqueline Hansen from BNN Bloomberg. Many renters are being priced out of buying a home because of higher mortgage costs, so they're staying put. And that is putting more pressure on the rental market, according to the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation's latest research on the rental market. It says the national vacancy rate fell from 3.1% to 1.9%. That is its lowest level since 2001. The CMHC says all those would-be buyers, along with higher net migration, increased demand for rentals. And as the vacancy rate fell, the cost of renting rose. The average increase for a two-bedroom apartment over the past year was 5.6%. The jump was far higher if a new tenant was moving in. In that case, rent increased more than 18%. Speaking of higher mortgage costs, Canada's big six commercial banks quickly passed along yesterday's hike by the Bank of Canada. All boosted their prime rates by 25 basis points to 6.7%. That is the highest level since 2001. After eight interest rate hikes in a row, the Bank of Canada says it is pausing here to see if it's done enough to get inflation under control or if more still needs to be done. And shoppers are charging less to their credit cards than analysts expected. Both MasterCard and Visa said spending increased but fell short of expectations. MasterCard warned of slower overall revenue growth ahead. But both companies noted that cross-border travel has been a boost to, to consumer spending. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading up about a third of a cent to roughly 75 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil gained almost a dollar to $81 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select gained about 60 cents to a little less than $58 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX jumped 100 points to end the day at 20,700.5. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNN Bloomberg. The federal privacy commissioner says Home Depot was found to be sharing personal data with Facebook parent company Meta without customer consent. 
An investigation found the retailer had been sharing details from electronic receipts with Meta, including encoded email addresses and in-store purchase information. The data was used to determine the effectiveness of ads by comparing in-store purchases with ads found on sites like Facebook. The privacy commissioner says Home Depot cooperated fully and stopped sharing customer information with Meta in October. Metrolink says construction on the Finch LRT has just hit a major milestone. The transit agency shared this fly-through video of the future Finch West Station at Keel Street. The facility is now structurally complete, meaning crews can get the inside ready for service later this year. Metrolink is also highlighting the recent completion of bike parking rooms at a dozen GO stations. They're already open at Pickering, Centennial, and East Gwillimbury GO. Just ahead, don't panic, but a big asteroid is about to barrel past Earth. What scientists know about the big space rock and the extent of the close encounter. Tonight, we speak with Canadians risking their lives on the front lines of Ukraine. We heard them getting closer and then closer and then bang. Chilling first-hand accounts from the volunteer fighters bent on battling the Russians. Later on CTV National News. And a reminder, the CTV News at 6 podcast is available as a download every weeknight. And you can also listen to the newscast live on News Talk 1010. Get Toronto's top stories, breaking news alerts, and watch live. Download the CTV News app. A newly discovered asteroid is set to swing by Earth in about a half hour from now. It will be one of the closest encounters of its kind ever recorded. The space rock is scheduled to zoom over the southern tip of South America at an altitude of almost 3,600 kilometers. That's closer than some satellites. But NASA says there's no risk of impact. The asteroid is believed to be less than nine meters wide. It was discovered on Saturday. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Relatively calm night for the occasion, but we're not through with the wintry weather just yet this week. Yeah, if we're looking up at the sky tonight, we will see some cloud cover and maybe a few flurries. Tonight we could get a dusting. In fact, there's already a few flurries making their way toward Kitchener-Waterloo, the Brantford area. If you're in Burlington, you might be seeing some very light snow at this hour. Here's what it looks like on the satellite and radar imagery. Again, not expecting much in the way of accumulation tonight, maybe a dusting to a centimeter of snow. It's uh, overnight tonight that we're really going to start to feel a bit of a wind chill factor once again, feeling into the minus double digits in many areas and eventually a low of minus nine degrees. Tomorrow, though, the temperature rebounds. By the afternoon, we'll be around the freezing mark. The day itself tomorrow is looking pretty good. We have a chance of a few flurries, hopefully some sunny breaks, but a reminder that Friday evening, more so into the late evening and overnight, we have this clipper system swinging through, maybe bringing us two centimeters of snow. And then again, active weather Saturday night into the day on Sunday. It's a quieter weather pattern next week with some sunshine, but it's also going to be colder. So that's the trade-off, Nathan and Michelle. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.